98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. It's like somebody somewhere designated today ripped the Arizona Cardinals day. Be down on the Cardinals. And everyone just decided, mm. to, okay, let's do it. Yeah. All right, today's ripped the Cardinals day. Let's rip the Cardinals. Mm. And I'm not today's saying. Today's ripped the boss day. Yeah. <laughs> well, tomorrow's going to be ASU. We've had, we've had the Suns. The Suns were the first couple days. And then we had, maybe, maybe it'll be ASU tomorrow. Maybe the investigation will be over. Air Force's I, investigation is over. Maybe it'll be ASU's tomorrow. I just hope enough people care about ASU to want to rip them, to be honest with you at this point. Keep, you know, keep well, me- if you look at the end of the game... Um, if you look at the ga- end of that Utah game, there was 74 people in the stands yeah, at which the end is, of the game. Which is one more than the number of people who were in the stands after the Eastern yeah. Michigan game the yeah. week before. I so. counted. There was 74 people left in that stadium at the yeah. end of the game. Um, why today is Rip a Cardinal Day? I don't know. I, look, I'm not going to sit here and say everything's great. Hey, you used to do Rip a Coworker. I did used to do Birds. Hey, come on. Yeah. Well, and you just, that soundbite we played, you obviously want to rip the boss. So right? I like the, I like, actually, I actually like our boss. I, He's a pretty good guy. But if we have to rip him, we'll rip him. I don't care. <laughs> Today's Rip the Boss Day. Yeah, I'm going to rip Scott Sutherland. <laughs> I'll rip him all day long. He's the big, big he, he's boss. He's the boss's boss. Yeah. He's the boss's boss. I'll rip him all. Boss. I don't care. Sutherland, Hatch. Like, he's like, he's the new guy, Thompson. I don't care. I'll rip him all. Scott is the, the, the yeah. boss to the third power around and here. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. <laughs> Here's what's going in on. Fact, if any of you bosses are listening, why don't you give me and Bernsie a Dr. Pepper right now, all right? Make I'm, yourself useful. I'm good. I don't need a Dr. Pepper. I'm okay. But if you like a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. We can, well, the, the boss's so, soda machine's broken. Did you read no, that No, it's fixed. Oh, is it fixed? Oh, yeah, thank we, God. Yeah. Um, earlier, we played some audio from LaShawn Shady McCoy, who on a podcast took a blowtorch to Kyler Murray. I mean, just absolutely went after him. Called him trash, which just seemed completely unnecessary. Today, Jason LaConfora, NFL insider for CBS, on a story that he wrote in the Washington Post, it was mostly about Cliff Kingsbury. Now, LaConfora wrote it, it's the quotes that he got about Cliff that I don't know if it's going to surprise anybody that somebody out there said this about Cliff. But let me just tell you what some of the lines were. Quote, this is one scout who has watched the Cardinals closely but is not permitted to speak about them by his employer. Quote, there is an arrogance to their scheme on both sides of the ball. It's just like they say, we're going to do what we plan to do no matter what, but it's not working. Close quote. Said another high-ranking official from an NFC club, again, under similar restrictions about speaking publicly uh, about other good, organizations. This is a good one. Quote, we were shocked that they extended the coach. It's not a sophisticated scheme. He's not considered a great play caller. Every year the production drops as the season goes on. Close quote. I wanted to read this one. This part it was a little bit earlier than, than that. It says... Um, you know, that he loves 11 personnel, three wide receivers. He's in the shotgun formation 95% of the time, most in the NFL. He uh, eschews, eschews, eschews motion. Arizona is 31st out of 32 teams in use of motion, despite it being more popular than ever among the brightest offensive mind. Arizona largely foregoes play action at a time when early down play action fuels the league best offenses. You know, I mean, Austin, I understand, you know, why they're in shotgun. Kyler's five, nine and a half. Like, I understand why they're in shotgun. 
Like, you know, give him more opportunity to see the field and I not get behind Kyler center. Murray were six foot three. Then they might not be in shotgun. As no, much. they'd be that. in shotgun yeah, they, 90% of the time instead of 95% of, of the time. Maybe no, 80 I, I, or I, something. Just, I think if he were, I, 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 yes, his size has something to do with it. I also think that's just the scheme that Cliff wants. That's the scheme that we, Cliff prefers. And we've talked about how they've spent so much money on their offense, but not as much on their defense. And what he points out is, you know, the Cardinals are far behind these other teams in a ground game. For for all the money spent, the Cardinals are 28th in yards per play, and Murray is 30th in intended air yards per attempt, and sports a brutal passer rating of 82.6, about the same as Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So they spent all this money on offense. Now, to, um, to that, one of the biggest allotment of money is to DeAndre Hopkins, and he hasn't played. Listen, this is a different team with DeAndre Hopkins. So a lot of the issues they have right now, it's almost like, you know, it's hard to decipher because... When DeAndre Hopkins comes back, I think this offense gets in gear and gets going. I really do. The problem is, and you pointed this out a couple of times in the last week, the problem is you've had a whole lot of time to figure out how to get this offense working without DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And it has. Do I believe that when Hopkins comes back, this offense is going to flourish? Yes. Because I've seen it. You've seen it. We've seen how good Hopkins is and how, how good this offense could be when Hopkins is here. But the problem is exactly what you've hit on a couple of times. You've had a long time to figure out how to make it out this offense be successful without DeAndre Hopkins. And, and you haven't done anything. No, they've become overly dependent on him. And, and I agree with everything you just said, every single word of it. I think when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, and I hope record-wise they're in a position to be able to take advantage of DeAndre Hopkins being back. You know, he's going to be back, what, for week seven? If they're one and five or two and four, you know, there's only so much he and they are going to be able to do, right? So I, I, record-wise, and I think it was Darren Urban over at AZ Cardinals who made the Point earlier in the week on their website that you just got to be three and three. Figure out a way to be three and three when you get D Hop back, and then you can hope that him revitalizing the offense does what you need it to do. But the but the big concern here is that man, you're at some point you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins right either via health or just via the roster, and you you've had the whole off season to devise an offense that would succeed without DeAndre Hopkins if you want to give Cliff a pass for not doing it last year when it was going on in the middle of the injury, right? And he was he was kind of caught off guard and he just was never able to adjust to it. I'll give you that pass. But you've had January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September to figure out an offense that can function at a high level without yeah. one guy. And you still haven't done it. So I had an NFL player just messaged me and says, look, size doesn't have as much to do with it. It's after play action, his depth is is the same as if he were in the gun. He said, Kyler may not be comfortable turning his back to the defense to make the right, might move, might right move after the fake. So play action, you have to fake. You've got to turn your back to the defense. You've got to, you've got to look that guy in the eye and pretend you're giving him that ball. And then when you turn back around turn to back, reassess the defense, right. do you trust that moment? So that's a good point. Maybe Kyler's not comfortable in the play action because he's get, because then he's going to lose complete track of where the defense is. Look, if we're talking Which about goes back to his ability to quickly read and process sure. information. Sure, yeah, I, I just I think the shotgun is what Cliff just wants out of a system. It's what he wants out of a quarterback, and he could have a six four dude back there, and he'd still be running a lot of shotgun plays. Um, look, as far as Cliff goes, I, you know me, we've talked about this, okay, and I'll say it again. I was surprised they gave him the extension too. 
I was pretty shocked they gave him the extension, too. Now, I was not on the let's fire Cliff bandwagon, but I certainly was on the, you know what? He's got one year left on his deal. Let's see what happens this year before you make some decisions. Now, as you've pointed out many times, yes, it's not a salary cap hit if you fire him. It's Michael's money. If Michael wants to fire him and eat that money, he can do that. But by giving him the extension, certainly he's put himself in a position where he's going to have to pay him a lot more money if he wants to move on yeah. from him. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll have that option, and it will come with no cap ramifications at all at the end of the season. They want to make that decision. They can make yep. that decision. And, but and personally, it sucks. It, it, it would does. suck, but you know, teams do it all the time. But but I, I'm reading these comments, and I'm seeing this start, and I got to admit, they're the part of me that said last February I wouldn't have extended Cliff either is kind of thinking, you know what? That's what I said. I wouldn't have extended Cliff either. I would have given him this season to see one more year before I double down on him yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, that's a good, you know, you're right. I mean, I, I get it. I think Kyler was, you were more of a rush to sign Kyler than you were Cliff. But I think a lot of that evaluation was probably when they were 7-0 and or what was it, 10-1 and or 10-2 yeah. and they were playing so well. Like, wow, we got a really special and, thing going and on that's here. the other thing, just real quick, I'll say this because I know we're late for a break. It seems to me that if your offense is going to be dependent on one guy to make it go, it should be the quarterback, not the wide receiver. You should be able to do what you want to do in your offense because of the quarterback you have or don't have and not the wide receiver that you have. I got so much I want to say about this. I know we're up for a break, but he mentions in the story, the Cardinals don't seem to think they can beat opponents going with heavy personnel. They use two tight ends only 13.5% of the time, 29th in the league, though it might boost their running game. They keep relying on A.J. Green, even though Murray's 5 for 13 targeting in him and only 2.2 yards per attempt. So that's just some really good stuff that comes out of that story. When we come back, Carolina has had real good success against the Cardinals in recent history. We'll head to the Southeast and find out why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. John Gambo, Dave Burns here on the flagship home of the Arizona Cardinals. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. On Sunday, you'll hear their game against Carolina right here. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, he covers the Panthers for ESPN. We welcome him back to the show. We had him on last year when the Cards play the Panthers. David Newton, who joins us here on Burns and Gambo. David, hope this call finds you well. Thanks for the time today. We appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing great. Just waiting for the hurricane to move into the Carolinas. Yeah, I was gonna. I was right before we even talk football. Let's talk about that and and your area of the country. How specifically Hurricane Ian is expected to to impact your world for the next few days? Yeah, I mean Sunday it looks like everything is going to be cleared out uh, probably by sometime Saturday. But uh, here along the South Carolina coast, it's the looking like it's going to come in around Charleston and pretty much direct path up through Charleston, all through South Carolina and in Charlotte and in North Carolina. Um, I feel like the weatherman here. I'm not going to stand outside with the rain, though. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, uh, it, 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 you never know with these things. I mean, I've been through some. I was at Hugo way back in the day, and um, it pretty much not only devastated the South Carolina coast, it came all the way through Columbia, South Carolina, and Charleston, excuse me, in Charlotte, and uh, 
you, you saw major power outages throughout both North and South Carolina. I don't think you're going to have that one uh, here, but uh, you just never know with these storms of how they're going to respond and what trees are going to fall where and how much wind damage. So, yeah, I mean, it's something they're paying attention to. The team's already got plans as far as painting the field. They've got it painted for soccer and uh, football this weekend, knowing they may not be able to uh, get it redone. I mean, they'll probably they'll they'll get the the stripes off for of the soccer off from the soccer field for the football game. But uh, you know, their preliminary plans are kind of like they were a few weeks ago. When they were expecting heavy rains, or they may not be able to paint the end zones and things like that. And that's all kind of minor compared to the the things that people you know down the coast are going to have to deal with because that's where the biggest impact will be. I got a lot of friends in Florida, so we're us people out west. We're thinking about you yeah, guys. We're hoping, we're hoping for the best. Right. We're hoping safety. for the best. Let's talk some football. Are you surprised at the dominance that the Carolina Panthers have had over the Arizona Cardinals? I really am. I mean, last year was kind of a – it almost felt like a fluke thing between, you know, Arizona didn't have its starting quarterback in Kyler. The Panthers had Cam Newton that found a second life at least for a few plays and uh, was able to give them a spark, but that didn't last very long. Um, but, yeah, they, they've been really dominant. What, six straight and four in the regular season? I mean, it's crazy. So, um, I'm not sure why Carolina has their number. Uh, there's not one – one real reason for it, maybe uh, playing on the road. I know Arizona's been playing better on the road the last year or so, so maybe coming here will make a difference. But uh, that that one's really confusing because I think Arizona's had the better football team for most of those games. Yeah, it's it's surprising. We looked back on it too when you look at the the quarterbacks, whether it's you know PJ Walker or Teddy Bridgewater or even the, the Kyle Allen game of a few years ago. But it does seem like it always comes back down to that Carolina Panther defense. And I guess one of the questions I would have for you, that that defense was all kinds of nasty last year. Does it have the same level of nasty this year so far, three games in? It's getting there. They looked a little vulnerable in the first game, particularly against the run, but they've tightened that up. They've done a good job the last past two weeks, you know, with Saquon Barkley two weeks ago and again last week with Alvin Kamara. They really shut them down. So that part seems to be straightened out. They have a lot of speed. Uh, on the edges, they have a lot of speed and, and talent in the secondary. If they keep those guys healthy, they had a couple of cornerbacks go out during the game uh, last week, but they're both ready to go this week. So I, I think they've got some um, people on that defense can give you know the Cardinals some problems, and, and that speed's the one thing they'll need with chasing Kyler Murray around. We talk a lot about Christian McCaffrey. The last couple of games, he's played really well. He didn't practice, I think, today or yesterday, and it's a quad injury, and he's going to be okay. To me, it's the passing game. He killed the Cardinals last year. He had 10 receptions in the game. They had nobody that could cover him. Isaiah Simmons was a mess. If he if he plays this week, it'll probably be Jalen Thompson. I don't think it would be Isaiah. But give me an update on what you're hearing about McCaffrey. He's had a lot of injuries over his career. But he did play well the last two games. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen him since Sunday. I mean, he's not been in the locker room when the media's been around. He's not been on the field when the media's around. He hasn't practiced in two days. You know, he had a quad injury at the end of the 2020 season. He missed the last four games with that. And those soft tissue injuries have been something that's really uh, bitten him the last couple of years. I mean, he missed 23 of 33 games the last two years, and all of them were soft tissue, and this is another soft tissue. So uh, he's going to be real careful with it. The team 
Lane's going to be careful with it. It would surprise me if he didn't play. Uh, I think the team's still optimistic at this point, but uh, we didn't hear from Matt Rule today. We'll hear from him tomorrow, so we'll get a better line on that. But uh, the fact that he didn't practice today was probably a uh, a pretty key thing because you know he's been getting Wednesday as a rest day, but Thursday's been a full go, and that he wasn't even out there today just has, gives you reason to pause and say he may not be able to play. So if they don't, they'll go to Chuba Hubbard and they'll go to Dante Foreman. Uh, Foreman was the guy that you know stood up last year and uh, playing for Tennessee when Derrick Henry went down. So they feel confident that they have some capable guys. But you're right, there's. There's not neither one of those guys can do what Christian McCaffrey does. He's had two straight 100 yard games rushing. He really hasn't been involved in the passing game as much as you thought he might be. Uh, a lot because I, I, Baker Mayfield is not a guy that looks at the check down as much. He's a guy that keeps his eyes downfield more, trying to make the big play. And he, he, even though Christian's lead the team in receptions, it kind of speaks poorly of it the fact that he only got 10 catches in two games, three games. So yeah. the team just really hasn't had much of a passing game at all. And not to have Christian is going to really impact that. We're uh, seven minutes into our conversation with David Newton, who covers the Panthers for ESPN. And yeah, that's the first time we've brought up Baker Mayfield at all. So let's have a Baker Mayfield conversation. I, I thought the Panthers were, and they still very well might be, it's only three games, but very much a potential play playoff team in the NFC with the addition of Baker. He's obviously really dramatically struggled so far. What's the current confidence level that those struggles are just kind of based and still acclimating himself to everything and that he'll eventually be better there? Yeah, confident-wise, you don't see Baker impacted. I mean, I, I, I still sense that he believes in what he's doing and he's going to get things turned around, but production-wise... It's just not there. I mean, he's headed for statistically the worst season of his career, and not just a lot a little bit, by a lot of bit. I mean, he's last in the NFL in total quarterback uh, rating. He's 31st in his completion percentage at 51.9%, which the one thing they thought they were getting out of Baker Mayfield was a more accurate passer, and they haven't gotten that. Um, everywhere across the board, third down, he's, he's down there near the bottom. He's only completing 50% on third down, and the Panthers in general have been really bad on third down, and he's his number of off-target throws, uh, off throws has been really bad, too. I mean, he's at 20, 21 and change, and uh, that said, I think the worst he'd had in his career before, his average was like 17.7 or something. So every across the board, he's just not playing well. Uh, I think a little bit of it has to do with those first couple of games. He was under a lot of heat because the offensive line did not perform, and I think that's got in his head a little bit, and he's, not, he's, he's got happy feedback. There he gets back and he, he starts moving before he really has to because he feels like he's not going to get the protection. He's got a left tackle that's a rookie that's allowed some really big sacks in games so far this year. So um, uh, there's a lot going wrong there. But Baker's at least the last couple of games played better as far as the turnover. They didn't make one in the last game, and um, from that standpoint. That was a positive for them. They, they've got to play clean football for them to have a chance to win. But if he doesn't have Christian in there, I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, last one for me. DJ Moore has been a dynamic receiver these last few years. Seven receptions in three games. What's missing with that connection between Baker and DJ Moore? I actually asked Baker, I mean, excuse me, DJ that today, and he didn't have a really good answer. He said they've all got to get on the same page. I mean, there was a big play last week on third and six. And DJ ran a really good route, was wide open, and Baker just completely missed him. I mean, there was no reason. He had a clean pocket. 
because they're just not connecting. And it's not just him. I mean, the same thing with Robbie Anderson. He's just not getting the ball to his key receivers out there. I mean, if you look at the biggest play of the game on Sunday, he, he completed a 67-yard touchdown to um, LaVisca Chanel. And he LaVisca was the first game playing, and he caught the ball a yard behind the line of scrimmage. And then there was a couple of you know, guys diving at him and missed him, and then he outran everybody. And the last person I expected to outrun a team was LaVisca because he's not known for his speed. So he um, take that away, and Baker was pretty dreadful out there. So I, he's, they've got to figure that out because in the NFL, you, you you can win with a good running game, but you, in the league today, you got to have that passing game to survive long-term, and they just don't have it right now. David, we appreciate the time, again, especially with that hurricane bearing down on everybody. Uh, truly, what Gambo said, I echo. We wish nothing but safety to everybody in that region of the country, so stay safe over the next couple of days. We appreciate your time. We truly do. Thanks a lot, and tra- travel safe this way. All right, thank you. David Newton, ESPN Carolina Panthers reporter, joining us in the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, Jay Crowder, if he is traded, and if he is traded soon, where could he go, and what could the Suns get back in return in some of those deals? We'll throw out some ideas next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Bonnie Williams earlier said, ideally, we get the Jay Crowder situation done sometime before training camp ends. We've done a, a decent job of acclimating guys into the program, and that's a credit to the coaches, but also the players that help guys along once we get new people in here. So I'm not so worried. I'm not so much worried about the timeline. Ideally, I mean, you'd like to get somebody in here before opening night, but I like the group we have. I mean, Dario can play some uh, four. Tori can play some four. Damian can play some. Uh, Cam's going to have a bigger role. And so from that perspective, I think we'll be okay. That has not stopped everybody, though, from Jake Crowder trade proposals. Boy, they're everywhere. Saw you flying in. Oh, I know. I saw you earlier today on social media, I think, reiterate something you had said earlier in the week that you don't expect the Dallas Mavericks to be a landing spot for Jake Crowder. I don't expect them to be a landing spot. I've checked in, you know, with a few teams here and there just to kind of see. And I'm hearing that Dallas is not interested in Jake Crowder. So I, I don't expect him to go there. But, you know, Cleveland's a team. I, I do think that there is interest from what I've heard with Cleveland, and that could be an option. So, you know, I think we can concentrate on them. I think James going to I – I, I don't think James is going to want to wait too long, right? This is one where you kind of want to get this settled. I mean, you know, it's, it's best for all parties involved. It's best for the Suns to get a player in here now because right now they've got a, one of their top seven guys is not actually going to play for them. Uh, and it's better for Jay just to move on and be, be out from under this, right? After he does his last pool party. You know, he can pack up the bags and, uh, you know, sell the house and, and move on. Right after that last pool party, whenever that is. The pool party. If they're still doing those things. And, I'm uh, guessing they wrap those up by now. I, I would guess. I think they still had one going on. It was, it was, it was with one. With Jay? I think I, with did they September. send in James Jones at a last minute snafu? <laughs> oh, my God. With beer? Did he buy, did he buy beer for everybody at a fries to make about, up for the fact that Jay couldn't be there? Think about how far we've come. With was was that Josh Jackson that was Josh failed Jackson to show up? Failed to show up at a promotional event at a fries. James yeah. Jones went down and bought everybody beer <laughs> to make up for the fact that Josh Jackson wasn't there. September twenty fourth uh, was the last summer oasis pool party. 
May 28th, June 25th, July 30th, August 27th, and September 24th. Five days ago. Five days ago Five was days the last pool party. Right about the time uh, he made it clear he wasn't going to be at training uh, camp, I would imagine. Yeah, the party was over by then. The party anyway. was over. Anybody go to the pool ended. party with him and ask him, hey, what's going on, man? Oh, I'm, I'm sure quite a few people you did. Know, are you hanging out at the pool with yeah. Jay? The Cavs won, is getting back to where Jay Crowder could go and what the Suns potentially could get back for him. There has been a lot of speculation about the Cleveland Cavaliers. That he, that, that yes. might be yeah. a, a ready-made team that needs a more veteran player like him. I know some of the stories you sent me, there was a lot of suggestions about Shetty Osman and yes. whether he could be a guy coming back. In fact, one evaluation that you sent me suggested that he's only, that Osman is only a slight downgrade from Crowder. You know, that he's, he's not, you know. Yeah, I don't think he's as, I don't think he's as good as, as, as Jay. I mean, he could shoot the ball a little bit. He's uh, a willing defender. I always say willing defender on guys. Um, I mean, you could do worse. I think you could do better, but you could do worse than him. He's about a 35% three-point shooter. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands. He's got size. I mean, he gives you some size. I think I have to look it up, but I think he's a pretty big kid. Um, so I think you could, like like I said, I think you could do worse than that. So it it... We'll keep our eye on that to see if Cleveland, but Osman's a younger player. He was yep. a second round pick. He's not, he's under contract. Six seven two thirty. He's under contract this year, and he's also under contract next year, but it's not guaranteed. So if you traded for Osman and you didn't like him, you could be out from under that contract in a year. Like you, you wouldn't have to bring him back if you like him. Well, now you got him next year for for a reasonably price of just about a little bit over six million bucks. There's two things. There's two things I'm worried about here a little bit when it comes to this deal. All right, I, I mean Jake Crowder in a standalone vacuum, you would look at him and go, "It's a valuable player. You, you you should have no problem moving him and getting some decent value in exchange." Here's the two things I'm worried about. Number, okay. and this is not going to surprise you, okay? But I'll say this anyway. The thing number one is that by demanding a trade from the Phoenix Suns and by the Suns acknowledging they're going to trade him, they've lessened the vet, the offer they're going to get back for him, right? Like, like they've, they basically, they're now painted into a corner where they have to trade Jake Crowder. So the offers they're going to get back for Jake Crowder are going to be reflective of a team that's kind of desperate to move him, right? And, and you, you might not get as much. You might, you might not get as much. Have, you might have lost out on the ability to add like a second round pick or something. The numbers are going to have to work either way for the finances. So, you know, that's something that's, it's just going to have to work. So I and even even Osman, I think you would have to add had a player to make those numbers work. Yeah, not that I'm worried about the Suns getting fleeced. I am worried about the Suns getting less than maybe what we think they should for a guy like Jay Crowder. And then there's this story that that you found right before the show started. Um, one rival GM told told Hoopswire that trading for Crowder could be viewed as risky business. Quote, he's a nice player, a veteran who has won, someone who can help you in that 3 and D aspect, but I'd be real hesitant to get a guy who who wants to be traded simply because he was told he'd have to earn his starting spot. That's not a team player, close quote. That's that's interesting. And I, now, you're not getting Jay. If you get Jay, you're probably not. Think about the teams that would want Jay. It would probably have to be a contending team that they, hey, uh, I. what do you like about Jay Crowder? What you like about Jay Crowder is his ability to defend any. Like, you could put him on LeBron. Like, you could put him on 
uh, Luca. Like, you could put him on any of those really tough matchups. Now, it's not always going to get the bat, but you could go. He could guard those guys. Yeah. He he's, could he's, guard. You, to the, the phrase you used a second ago, he's a willing defender when it comes to those defender. guys. He's a willing defender. He's a great defender, but he's a willing defender he's when a, it comes to just, those guys. It's hard to be a good defender against some of those players, but you could put him on LeBron. No guard LeBron. You could put him on Luca. He'll guard Luca. He could guard anybody. Like, he, he could guard those guys. So, a team that's a contending team that is looking for a defensive presence to, to help them shut down some guys as a team that would probably be after Jay Crowder. Yeah. So that makes some sense that that would be the team. Now, um, there's probably a few of those teams. What Again, what you could get from, I don't know. I, I just... I'd be surprised if this carries on much longer than, you know, the next few days here, because I mean, you, you want to move him, it's best for him, and you want to get a player back so you could get somebody into Monty's system while there's a lot of practice game time, time left. Here's the thing too, when it comes to anonymous GM quotes, yeah. this person could very much have an agenda. For example, quote, I'd be real hesitant to get a guy who wants to be traded simply because he was told he'd have to earn his starting spot. That's not a team player, close quote. Is it possible that that unnamed GM is the GM of a Western Conference rival that doesn't want to see the Suns get equal value for Jay Crowder and is trying to submarine the value the Suns could stuff get happens. for Jay Crowder so, by stuff saying happens. stuff like that? Yes, it's possible. But it's listen to point. It's I can understand Those are kind of the games people play when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, going Alan Parsons Project? Yeah. yeah games that, people play? That, that's that's taking you leave them. That's a little. That's a little. You know, propaganda that you could put out there about a player whose trade value you want to sink a little bit because you're trying to for the Suns to not get as much value in return. Stuff like that happens all the time in this business, right? If you're getting Jay, you're probably not like looking at Jay. Jay's been in this league since 2012. Okay, it's not like he's going to play 10 more years. Um, so you're not going to sign. Nobody signed him to a four-year deal or anything. No, no. Even after this year, Jay's probably going to have to go. Year. Now, Jay's already played on like eight different teams. So even after this year, he's probably a guy that at most he gets a two-year deal. More likely a one, but a two. So it's not, you know, you're not really locking a long-term future into Jay Crowder. I understand his point. Like, I don't understand. I, I'd love to know what what happened to where he just said, I don't want to be here anymore. Was, was he really that upset over the fact Cam that Johnson Cam Johnson started. was going to start over him? Like the Suns gave you a three-year deal when nobody else would. They gave you a lot of money, and now you don't want to be here. Like you should have realized when you got here that you're, you know, they're grooming this first-round pick. They, you know, they, if, if everything works out right, that guy's eventually going to start. Yeah. I, it's a great point, and I don't know. I, because it doesn't, on the surface— it doesn't seem reasonable that he should want a contract extension just because everybody else got one. Yeah. It doesn't seem reasonable that he should be that miffed about losing his starting spot, right? It, 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 it I don't know. It's disappointing. Uh, it's disappointing. It's, it's a shame it came to this. Yeah. November 24th. Uh, Shetty Osman, 28 minutes against Phoenix. Okay. Nine out of 15 from the field, five out of seven from three point range. He had 23 points, he had four rebounds, he had two assists, he had a steal, and he shot 71.5% from three-point range going to five for seven, like I'm at. So the Suns may remember that. Osmond had a really good game against Phoenix last November. Yeah. Week four of Bix Picks kicks off tonight. Text pick to 62620. Sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will also get an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word pick to 62620 to enter. If you've got early concerns about the Arizona Cardinals, congratulations. You're not alone. How worried should you be? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.
98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. So there are times when Gambo and I separately, every day, we're prepping for the show. And we see a story on one of the major websites, and you just read the headline. And I don't know if you had the same reaction this morning or last night whenever you saw the story. You just read the headline, and you know, you know, the Cardinals are going to be part of the story. And here's what I mean. Bill Barnwell rates four big early season worries in the NFL. <laughs> I knew the Cardinals were going to be part of it. Without even having to click the link. Yeah. I saw that on ESPN.com's main page today, and I'm like, oh, yeah. He's written about the Cardinals. Yeah. The Cardinals are, if they're not one of the four teams that Bill Barnwell is really concerned about, I'll be blown the hell away. <laughs> right. Right. Just blown yeah. away. I knew it. So I clicked on it, and yes, the Cardinals. Broncos, Saints, and Colts, Gambo, were among the four teams that Bill Barnwell has rated as four big early season worries. And then he concludes writing about each team by telling you how worried you should be about those teams. The worry meter. And of the Arizona Cardinals, the panic level, he said, be very scared about the Cardinals. Defense was the main reason why. Yeah, he had some, there were some things in there about offense as, as well. But I was a little surprised at that because I think the defense you know, has really showed up and played well these last couple of games. They talked about the, the, the problem with the explosive plays, but he said he said the Cardinals, you know, here we go, the Cardinals used back-to-back first-round picks on off-the-ball linebackers Collins and Simmons, and I'm not sure either is a starting caliber player yet. Having used those first-round picks on underwhelming players at the position, where it's easiest to find pieces on a defensive side of the ball, the Cardinals are laboring elsewhere. They're playing a pair of replacement-level corners and Jason Whitaker and Marco Wilson for significant snaps each week. They'll get Trayvon Mullen in the lineup, but the Raiders aren't exactly loaded with corners, and they dumped him for a swap of late-round picks. And then they talk about the blitzing. They're blitzing at the league's highest rate, but they're only 19th in pressure rate. <laughs> so they're, go, they're getting after you. They're just, not getting any, they're just not getting any pressure on you. So that's another thing. Whether they're, uh, It says whether they pressure the quarterback or not, teams have carved up those blitzes. Opposing passes are 35 out of 49 for 329 yards and seven touchdowns against their blitzes this season. The Cardinals are one of the worst teams at having success when they blitz. The other team is torching them yeah. for that. Vance Joseph today spoke about his pass rush. Here's what he said. I think the rush is fine. You know, um, you know, as far as guys winning, it's happening. The ball's coming out fairly fast. You know, and when, that, when that's happening with pressure, you like that because now it's a, it's, it's a tackle for a short gain. You know, and obviously Sunday the ball came out fairly fast with screens and, you know, a couple different, uh, you know, quick, quick slants to the flat. But um, the rush is getting better and better each week. And, again, rushing coverage, is, is it's a marriage, right? The better the coverage, the better the rush is going to be. So once we link up in, in both areas, it's, it's going to look better. Yeah, to sum it up, Barnwell said, quote, I see an Arizona defense playing undisciplined, unfocused football right now defensively. And I think to your point, they've they've – they played well against the Rams because they held the Rams to 20 points, right? They played well against the Raiders because in the second half they shut the Raiders down. And I'm not trying to qualify why they played well or how they played well. Um, but, but individually, 
I don't feel like the Cardinals have played very well defensively. Byron Murphy, I should say that. Byron Murphy's played very well. I think J.J. Watt's played very well. Um, I think Zach Allen has played pretty well. Um, I, I think individually, those are really the only guys that I'm... Buddha? I, I, well, Buddha, of course. I, I mean, I should always include Buddha. Buddha's playing well. But... I guess that's a lot of individuals now that I'm thinking about it. I, I think the, but, but collectively, you look at their passes defensed, passes broken up, the pressure that they're not getting on the quarterback, right? You, you're looking at it and you're seeing things that despite what they did against the Rams and despite what they did in the second half against the Raiders should be of great concern. They're not pressing quarterbacks at all. In fact, the Cardinals, we talked about this earlier in the week, or at least we meant to talk about this earlier in the week. The quarterback rating against that Cardinals defense, they're the worst in the league. Quarterbacks are better against the Cardinals defense than they are against any defense so far in the NFL. How much of that is just because the Rams had 20 points against the Cardinals defense last week. The Raiders did nothing against them in the second half. How much of that is still predicated on what Mahomes did to them in week one? Because you know the sample size is still small at three games. It is. And Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, and he carved them up. Yeah. I mean, the Rams scored 20 points. They had, I mean, I, I understand all of these stats and all of these numbers, but is it not a counter-argument to them? Can you not say, hey, the L.A. Rams had 20 points against the Cardinals defense. Cooper Cup had four catches yeah. for 44 yards. The Raiders couldn't get anything off of them in the second. Like, I mean, there's got to be, like, there's got to be checks and balances here. I mean, like, it's easy for somebody. And I'm listening. Bill Barnwell does a great job. But is it not easy if you don't watch every NFL game? And there's no way anybody can watch any NFL game. But we do. Like so we we know the Cardinals better than Bill Barnwell does. We do. Is it is it easy for Bill Barnwell to take three games, crunch all the numbers, and say, Cardinals defense sucks. Three games, look at the numbers. But what we know is we know, my God, they got torched by Patrick Mahomes in week one. Yeah. They couldn't stop Patrick. I mean, how many touchdown passes did Patrick Mahomes have? Is it easier for us to see the nuance in the Cardinals defense? Yes, it's easier for us to see the nuance in the Cardinals defense. I'll totally give you that. Yeah, I think we kind of look at it differently because you could take, like if somebody gave us a number on Carolina and said, in these three games, here's what Carolina, yeah, we don't watch Carolina play. I'm going to go by these numbers. Baker Mayfield's terrible. Their defense has been good. Christian McCaffrey's back. Like, you know, but we don't know because we we're just, you, somebody's crunching three games of numbers to give us what they are. You could crunch three games of Cardinals numbers to show that their defense is terrible. But we do know that Cooper Cup had four catches. The Rams had 20 points. The Raiders got nothing off them in the second half. And we could find some positives that after that first week, they've gotten a lot better. Yeah. That being said, I'm still pretty concerned okay. about the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the soapbox moment, pal, but I'm still pretty I'm still pretty concerned about the Cardinals. I'm just being honest with you. I'm hold still on, pretty worried about them. I don't know about that. Uh, I'm, I'm still pretty worried about them. That's, uh, uh, I, I appreciate your passion and all, but I'm The coordinator was hugely, hugly established and highly esteemed. I don't know about all that. Yeah, I'm so well concerned about the Arizona Cardinals. I feel better about... The last six quarters of football by the defense that I, that I do looking at somebody crunching three games of numbers and saying, here's where they rank because I know what Patrick Mahomes, you know, took him okay. to the woodshed. I'm not concerned because Bill Barnwell tells me I should be concerned. I'm concerned because like you, I've watched every single minute of Cardinals football so far this season and I'm worried there's just not enough there. 
and that's and that's yeah. coming from not a guy sitting two thousand mm-hmm. miles away crunching a bunch of DVOA stats. Somebody watching every game like you are, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that they have not led a single minute in regulation since the season started. Yes, I'm, I'm yeah, worried that's about more that. on the offense, right? That's more on the yeah, offense's yeah. ability to score any points. No doubt. When we come yeah, back, lead, if you don't score a point, coming up on the Burns and Gambo show, Kyler Murray, trash. What? Who said that? And does he have an argument? Next on the Burns and Gambo show.